You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. All right, Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. Lots to discuss here. We'll wrap up SEC Media Days and talk of a couple teams. A couple teams joining the SEC. Maybe. Maybe. So, Texas, Oklahoma, in discussions with the SEC? Man, that's a... It's a lot to break down here on Gators Breakdown, but uh, you know we'll get some of Dan Mullen's thoughts. We'll wrap it up there from SEC Media Days. Uh, just some a- extra content there from, from SEC Media Days to throw out there, get his thoughts, uh, get my thoughts from those comments. And, of course, talk the big news. I mean, uh, the last day and a half of SEC Media Days has just kind of been taken over from the uh, Oklahoma-Texas talk. So, man, if your team's there uh, right now, that's uh, you know on this last day of Thursday – that's you're kind of going to get glossed over a little bit, at least from the national media side uh, and probably peppered with questions of Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC, maybe down the road. So we'll see where that goes. Um, but we'll get I'll give you my thoughts on, on it all here on Gators Breakdown. One thing I want to uh, bring up Gators Breakdown Plus uh, doing a giveaway. Uh, so it will end on Friday tomorrow. If you're watching this live or if you listen to it on Thursday, July 22nd, uh, the contest will end on July 23rd, but a giveaway there going there, giving away two commemorative prototype national championship footballs. They don't have the score of the national championship game on them, uh, but everything else is there. One winner for the 06 football, one winner for the 08 football. The um, it is eligible for new members of Gators Breakdown Plus and current members of Gators Breakdown Plus. So all you have to do is join Gators Breakdown Plus, and you can have your chance to win one of those footballs. So, uh, you know, there's just one more chance well, and, and one more reason to join Gators Breakdown Plus. But, guys, you get so much, you know, general support. If you just want to support Gators Breakdown, if you just want to support what we do here, Lewis $3 a month, but that gets you access to that very popular Discord chat room that's going – uh, pretty good. A lot of conversation going on there of uh, 
you know, just general football. Uh, a lot of discussion of Texas and Oklahoma uh, going in there right now. And then if you want to bump it up a little bit more, ask me anything. Submit questions for guests on Gators Breakdown. That's the $5 tier. And the $10 tier, you can even get your own personal episode of Gators Breakdown Plus if you want. A shout out here on an episode. All that good stuff. But if you want one of those footballs, join by Friday, July 23rd, and you'll have a chance to win one of those commemorative national championship footballs. So, all right, I got some sound from Dan Mullen. Uh, I'll play that to get his thoughts on kind of where the team is right now uh, and heading into fall camp. And then, of course, his scheduling talk that he proposed um, on Monday back at SEC Media Days. That changes a little or enhances that conversation just a little bit with all the the talk of Texas and Oklahoma. So that'll kind of be the theme of this shorter episode today. Uh, everybody, thank you much for joining me. If you're live on YouTube, I know it's kind of a weird time, 10 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday. Uh, but this is when I could fit it in today and to get these thoughts up here of Texas and Oklahoma pretty early uh, as well. So let's get into Dan Mullen's thoughts on where the team is right now and having basically a better sense, of course, because of not having to deal with COVID, actually having a spring practice, has a better sense of where this team is this year. You talked last year going into the season about you're still trying to get to know your team because of the offseason that you miss. I know you still got to get to know them in fall camp, but do you have a better sense of them just because of the spring and maybe what you want to do with your guys? Absolutely. I think I think our team has a better sense of each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. I think yeah. that the ability to be around each other. I mean, I really like the attitude and the mindset the team has. And, um, you know, even in the summer, we're not around all the time. And, and just talking to Coach Savage about, the, the uh, you know, I've I, I never asked much about, hey, is, what's this guy doing or how's our performance level? And I think people might think that's crazy. But I, I trust I, I, we have best strength coaches in America. You know, I know he's going to have them right. Mm-hmm. Mine is I'm always asking, hey, how's the mindset? How's the attitude? How, how is the team coming together? You know, how are guys lifting each other up? You know, you walk around the building, in the training room, in the locker room, in the equipment staff, academic staff, you know, the interaction with the players. Are we in a positive place as a football team? Um, and if not, where, where are the areas we need to improve? And I think we're in a very positive area. All right, Dan Mullen there talking about how the Gators are in a positive area uh, right now. And look – you hope that's the case. This lost this team lost so much time and development last year. That's the biggest thing. And he, look, he brings up Nick Savage, and that's probably the most important piece Florida lost last year in getting ready for a season. Florida was a really good fourth quarter team in 2018 and 2019. Not so much in 2020. It has to be part of not getting an off-season program with Nick Savage. That has to play a huge part. As I, and as I said, that, that's a part of it they couldn't help. Now, there was a part last year I thought this coaching staff and behind the scenes, they could help. Was COVID a full excuse? No, I just don't think they handled it the right way in some of it. The physicality was lacking. They decided not to go pretty physical in practice. Uh, and look, and that's, a part, that's another part of having a spring and knowing where your team is. They probably knew – too late last year that tackling was going to be an issue. And I think they thought it might be an issue for everybody else. And at the beginning of the season, it was. There just wasn't a whole lot of adjustment for Florida. So now at least having a spring practice going into fall camp, you know what you need to work on. You have a starting point of what you need to work on and improve on from spring. Last year, you did not get that. You had to hit fall camp running and get ready for the season. You didn't have a chance to 
have a spring practice. And then for Florida's chance, have an early spring practice like they did this year and have even more time to watch film and what players need to work on and what they need to improve on, Florida gets that this year. So I, I completely agree with Dan Mullen having a, and all coaches would say that this year. Absolutely. It's not a, it's not a revelation that every coach right now is going to know and have a better sense of where their team is. But I think with this staff, it's probably even more important because of how they handled last year, how they mishandled last year. And also we give kudos for this staff a whole lot for their development. And that counts Nick Savage and that counts development of this coaching staff as well from this coaching staff as well. So, you know, if we're going to, if, if this staff's always going to get lauded for being able to develop, they lost that last year. They lost that chance last year. You just had to go get ready for the season and go play, you know, and put your best players out there. Uh, by the time you could hit fall camp last year, it was go, 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 get ready for the season. Now you have a chance to have a spring, watch some film, learn from your mistakes. And for these players, you know, it, even more time to go back and watch that film and, and how they can improve themselves because Florida had such an early spring camp that now it gives you a little more time to watch the film and you get a lot of young and that's another thing probably know better where the young guys stand and how much they can contribute they it was it was it was going to be hard to play young guys last year like they they had to throw Gervin Dexter in there last year because there was not a lot of defensive tackle depth but you know David Henderson goes out there and plays a little bit too uh so some guys got their feet wet as young guys but now you know I think young guys being able to have a spring and now being able to to have a full offseason with Nick Savage too. You'll see more young guys be able to contribute this year as well. That was another thing about 2020. Didn't see you you had to keep you know go back to the last episode of Gators Breakdown and Mullen saying there's a lot of independent contractors on defense. Well who are you going to replace them with? A lot of young guys that went on campus last year did not get spring, did not get an offseason with Nick Savage. And then Okay, so you're going to thrust them out there, especially think Derek Wingo is one player I know a lot of people point to, highly regarded true freshman. Uh, why why didn't he see more time at linebacker or whatever with all the struggles there? He didn't play linebacker in college or in high school, so then you're going to ask him to not have a spring practice, not have an offseason workout plan, and then go play a new position in college that he didn't play in high school. That's a lot to ask. So I think you go back, look at spring practice. All the early enrollees that come in, there was a lot of early enrollees this past class. Now they get a, fall, a, a spring camp. Now they get a chance to watch film and get better. Now they get a chance to work with Nick Savage. So I think you'll see even more young guys for Florida be able to be counted on in certain situations, guys that were young guys last year, of course, and guys that are young young guys and true freshmen, retro freshmen this year uh, heading into the 2021 season. You have a better sense of where your whole team is. And I, one more thought about Mullen. And giving all the kudos to Nick Savage, you know, Nick Savage is basically the head coach of the offseason. And, you know, you have so much limited contact with the team this year. So there was hardly any contact last year, of course. And it was virtual if you did have it <laughs> and, you know, get, and getting prepared for the season. So now you get that in-person uh, workout with Nick Savage. And he's the guy that Dan Mullen is going to – Dan Mullen trust him. Dan Mullen trusts Nick Savage to be able to get these guys ready mentally and physically, and he can, and he knows that's going to happen. Like he said, he doesn't really have to ask Nick Savage what to do or how to do it or anything. He, he trusts in what Nick Savage is able to do for these players. And it worked, like I said, in fourth quarter games, late games uh, in 2018 and 2019 for the most part. 2020 kind of fell apart there in late game situations. So 
we'll see how much that actually means. Um, you know, of course, it's a completely different team. If you had the same team, you know exactly how much it meant. But, you know, I'll, I'll look for what Florida does in fourth quarter of games this year. If it's close games and you have a chance to go out there and win it, then, you know, don't wilt away. Uh, so I think that's a one part of having a better sense. And also just in general, guys being able to be in person this year, you have a better sense of what those players can do. Uh, and those players have a better sense of what they can do as, as well. I don't think there's a lot of guesswork. There's not as much guesswork going into 2021 uh, as far as 2020 in some ways. Now, I think in 2020 you had more experienced quarterback. You had some weapons at receiver. You knew you were going to be good on offense, I think, at least. You knew um, a lack of physicality necessarily wouldn't show up there as much as it would on defense. Uh, I think that was probably – a little bit of a surprise last year and not knowing what you had. And then maybe when you got together, Hey, there's a physicality problem with this team that wasn't going to be easily fixed. <laughs> and uh, we saw that play out uh, during the season. So pretty good stuff there uh, from, from Dan Mullen and kind of one little last thought there, as far as the whole team goes from SEC media day. So now I will play his scheduling um, sound bites that he has about scheduling. And this is completely going to tie into all the reports of Texas and Oklahoma having interest and the SEC also having interest in combining together in the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma joining forces sometime in the future. Uh, there when uh, the big 12 TV contract media rights run out and there's reports of interest from Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. Cecil Hurt from the Tuscaloosa News. Um, Alabama will be visiting Gainesville for the first time, given the quirks of the SEC schedule. Uh, first time in 10 years. And uh, just talk about the opportunity to play that game in sort of a non-neutral setting and, and have the home crowd for that game. Yeah, I think that's it's really exciting. Um, you know, I don't get the commissioner in trouble here, but, you know, I mean, I'd love this to – maybe do away with the permanent crossover team. And, and so you get these type of games more often, I think, for the players, uh, for the fan bases. I really think it's exciting to see some more of, of the uh, of, of maybe, uh, you know, mixing up the teams from from the West and, and playing two different teams uh, each year instead of a permanent crossover. I think that'd be really exciting because so you get this matchup. So uh, it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun game to be a part of. And uh, as you said, you know, for, for 10 years we haven't seen it. You'd love to to see see that more. I mean, well, there's teams that'll visit. There, there's non-conference teams that are going to visit the Swamp a lot more than conference teams. And uh, I think you'd, you would love to see maybe a, a better rotation of those teams. Okay, we'll go to front left. Tom? Yeah, Tom Murphy again. ADG, I also had a schedule question for you. Uh, your take on this, it's interesting. Um, you got a front-loaded kind of home schedule, and then after October 9th, you don't play another conference home game. So I just want to get your take on how that might shake out. Yeah, it's um, – well, yeah, because our conference home game's in Jacksonville this year. And when you play a neutral site game, it kind of uh, – it kind of throws that off your, your home and away schedule, you know. So um, that I, we, we have one already set, I think, you know. I mean, I don't know how you'd ever do it, but if the league ever wanted to go to nine-game schedule, which I don't think we're, we're anybody's jumping up and board, uh, jumping up and down about right now, 
But I guess one way you do it is play four home, four away in a neutral site game. And you can find some different ways or matchups that everybody got to do that. And uh, th that'd be one interesting way to do it. And then you have the same number of home and away games would help. But, you know, our one game in that stretch that would be that would, would be the, uh, the George game. And that's going to be in Jacksonville. All right, so that's if, of course, the SEC stays in its current 14-team format. So we'll talk about that first, and then I'll get to Texas, Oklahoma, and how you know some things even Dan Mullen just said there still can hold some weight in, in, in that. But the first, of course, is the SEC's – and look, I know it's tough, especially if you're not going to up the number of conference games to already nine when you have these 14 teams – is being able to rotate teams coming into the swamp and you going and play in other places as well. You know, it should not take 10 years for Alabama in between trips to the swamp, but it's going to happen with eight conference games uh, in the way the SEC has to have that permanent crossover. Um, look, pretty much the only reason permanent crossovers still exist in the SEC is because of the ridiculous Alabama-Tennessee rivalry and them having to play that game for whatever reason. Um, that is really not that much of a nationally relevant rivalry. Look, I know college football football is built on rivalry. I'm a traditionalist in that in that sense of it. Rivalry games matter, but that's not really a rivalry to anybody else. That game is an afterthought to everybody but Alabama and Tennessee at at, at, at this time. So look, I, I hate to throw it away for those fan bases that love that rivalry, of course. Uh, but you know, I think for the greater good of the SEC. You get rid of that rivalry to preserve and get better games throughout the years uh, 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 of the SEC. You know, Florida and Alabama playing more. Florida and Auburn playing more. It doesn't happen, I think, because of the permanent crossover of Alabama and Tennessee and the Georgia-Auburn to some extent as well, but I think you could fix that by moving Auburn to the SEC East. That's an easy fix in my mind. And then, well, then you, I guess you'd lose – Alabama Auburn if you don't have your permanent crossover so there you go you see the difficulty in if you're only going to have eight conference games and trying to keep you know some of the historic rivalries in the SEC you're not going to get rid of Georgia Auburn you're not going to get rid of Alabama Auburn uh, so you know even even I, I was I, I thought myself out of that one live right here you can't just move Auburn to the east and to keep Auburn Georgia and if you're not going to have a permanent crossover Alabama and Auburn would be east-west at that point so yeah you, you see the difficulty in it so I, i've always been a proponent for nine games i know it makes the sec schedule more difficult but in the grand scheme of things i don't think it's going to change all that much i, I think the sec would still get a team into the college football playoff so uh, i really don't think it's going to i don't think the sec is going to eat their own all that many times now it, it could kill your chance for getting that second team into the playoff like we have seen from the sec so that's probably one way to look at it um but, you know, Mullen's you know, proposal for the, the nine game and then do four home, four away, and one neutral, that's, that, that is pretty interesting. Uh, and, look, that's been one talk of Florida, Georgia, and wanting to move that game to home and home site is so these teams do not lose that home game every other year. And uh, that, that is one proponent that keeps being brought up between these two schools in that game not wanting to lose a home game I'm all for keeping the game in Jacksonville. I don't think it should ever leave. Uh, but, you know, I, I've, like I said, that's, for me, another reason to go to nine games. And I like Dan Mullen's model. Have SEC teams play one neutral site game a year and then four home, four away. I think that's, that's a pretty good idea uh, there for, for, from, from Dan Mullen. But that can all be changing. 
that could all be changing if all the reports and look they're true there's too much smoke uh it's pretty much fire at this point that texas and oklahoma have interest in joining the sec and that interest is reciprocated by the sec as well so they've Definitely have been enough reports where discussions have already happened. This would change college, college football is changing anyway, no matter what we think. NIL, uh, transfer portal, and now even the idea if this happens, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, you are looking at the start of super conferences. And I know a lot of people have had that thought as well was maybe four 16 team conferences that make up the main part the power five part of college football those 64 teams pretty much separate themselves from the rest of college football create maybe even have their own commissioner maybe do away with the ncaa and those four 16 team conferences basically run college football everybody else kind of has their own division uh, and, and do and do what they wanted to. You basically separate your P5 and your G5, and it'd be interesting to see. This is the start of it. I don't, even with this talk, we are seeing it. We're, we're going to see it happen. This is going to even this discussion. Even if Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC does not happen, I think it's already started a chain reaction to where the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big 12 are checking themselves and say, "All right, how do we stop this?" Or how do we play along? This is already starting a chain reaction. So if Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC don't happen, something else is going to happen to where I think this this four 16-team conference landscape of college football happens. I, I, just, I, I think just this conversation has, it has already started that. And look, with the expanded playoff, you're, you're you're going to get a landscape change in college football. I thought, you know, this super these super conferences have been in discussion for about ten years anyway. From when we got the last realignment, when Texas A and M and Missouri joined the SEC, everybody already knew the next logical step would be to create these super conferences. And I think with the NCAA and their failing and handling of NIL, day by day, month by month, year by year. These schools, especially these power schools, these SEC schools and the NCAA, they don't need each other. The, the SEC, honestly, especially for football. Now, I could other schools, I mean, other sports, you probably need the NCAA some form or fashion. College football does not need the NCAA or Power Five. And you know, your FCS, your Division Two, II, Three, they can still partner with the NCAA and, and do their thing. This is this is different. You know, this is pretty much. And what it has been anyway is a semi-pro um, way of thinking about college football. And that that's the direction we are heading with super conferences, NIL, transfer portal, all that stuff. This is basically becoming semi-pro football. And the SEC, by adding Texas and Oklahoma, would be a semi-pro league. I mean, you're looking, you're looking at a lot of power, a lot of powerhouses in the SEC. And I wanted to share what the SEC Network uh, had proposed. If you are going to add, look, I mean, even the SEC Network is going this far. The conference's own network of proposal ideas of Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference. How would you do it? Would you keep East-West? Who, who leaves the West and comes to the East? I think you get rid of East-West, you go to a pod system. And you, you break it up like that. 
I'm going to start share what Ross Dellinger uh, shared from the SEC Network uh, this morning. 14 pods right here. Pod A, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. Pod B, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Pod C, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. Pod D, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. And this would be a nine-game conference schedule format. You play the other three teams in your pod every season, play two games against each of the other pods, host every team at least once every four seasons. So if this happens, I love this proposal. You get to see more teams visit the Swamp. You get to go to Alabama. You get to go to LSU. You get to go to Auburn. You get to go to Texas A&M, and you get to go to them a lot more. So, And, and also, every player who comes in in, in a cycle, if you stay four years, I think you would play every team, uh, if I'm thinking uh, thinking of this right. So, yeah, and you host every team once every four seasons. So you would at least play you know, the one team before you leave college if you stay four years and, and, and in your home stadium. So I think this would be the most logical way of doing this. And I, like I said, I find it um, pretty uh, interesting that, you know, SEC Network, they're at SEC Media Days is going to throw a proposal up. And like I said, there's a whole lot of talk of of this being maybe pretty far along. Even reports of Texas and Oklahoma are pretty much guaranteeing that they are going to leave the Big 12 when the media rights are up. And I believe in 24th is the date uh, I I think I saw there. Uh, So pretty, pretty interesting news in the world of college football. And like I said, it's this even just this talk is setting up a chain reaction for the landscape of college football to change. Man, it's a whirlwind, whirlwind covering college. I mean, it's been a whirlwind covering college football anyway the last few years, even going back to a the decade ago when conference expansion happened at that point. Uh, it was setting up for this, and now we have finally gotten to that point. And I think all the playoff talk of expansion – there's probably ramped up discussions like this of conferences realigning and changing themselves. Uh, if you have the 12 team playoff, you know, you're, you're less worried about eating your own. You'll get multiple teams into the playoff anyway. Uh, and look this, and it's no surprise. I know people have asked the question, why would Oklahoma do this? Why would Texas do this? This would kill their path to a playoff. Maybe probably so. It's all about the dollars. It's all about the money. Don't let anybody tell you different. That's unfortunately what we're in right now uh, when looking at this. Everybody's in it for the money. Uh, And don't get me wrong. You're going to get great football out of this. You're going to get really good games. But when people even say, oh, why would Vanderbilt stay in this conference? They'll never have a chance. Well, they're going to be making a whole lot of money. That's why. (laughs) Texas, Oklahoma, going to be making a whole lot of money. SEC signed this new contract with ESPN and a, and a new TV deal with that. That's going to have to be amended already if you add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix uh, and add those two powers uh, from the Big 12 uh, to the SEC. So it's always about the money. It's going to be about the money. Um, it's changing what college football has been about. It's changing the game. I'm still going to enjoy it. Now I'm going to – I'll keep an open mind here. Look, I've even kept an open mind about expanding the playoff. I'm against it. 
but I'll keep an open mind <laughs> to it. Uh, I'm not so against this. Uh, I think this is going to happen anyway, uh, these 16-team conferences. Why not go out there and get two of the best in Texas and Oklahoma? We're going to see some good games. Now, I don't even know what this happened. If this happens, what this means for the Florida-Texas series that has already been scheduled, I'd assume it just goes away, um, and that will become a conference game in some form or fashion. And you got there and schedule somebody else now. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but this is the landscape of college football is changing. And uh, this seems to be the first step into that. I think this one gets done. Uh, there's too much smoke, too much fire uh, with this. Even if it doesn't, I think this starts the process of this happening. So if it's not Texas, Oklahoma, who else do you go get? Do you go get um, uh, a, a North Carolina, a Virginia Tech, uh, maybe a Clemson in some form or fashion? I, I, I don't know. I'm just guessing out loud here um, and, and getting that discussion out there. But it's more just thinking out loud and uh, what's happening in regards to college football. But, you know, how, what's the chain reaction for other conferences? Does the Big 12 dissolve? Does the Big 12 go grab teams from the Pac-12? Does the Big 12 uh, expand even more from West Virginia, you know, who's nowhere close to Big 12 teams and maybe go get to UCF or, uh, you know, other teams uh, that, that can, you know, you're not going to replace Texas and Oklahoma. You're not just, you're just not going to do it. Um, so I, I have no idea. I, I, it seems like to me without those powers, the Big 12 would just dissolve uh, and Pac-12 gets a couple Big Ten gets a couple, ACC maybe gets a couple. Uh, but, you know, we're going to – if you only had the four major super conferences that I'm thinking of, you know, SEC, Big Ten, I think the Pac-12 stay. Um, just because of those West Coast schools there. So that's three of them. And I can't see the ACC necessarily going away with who they have with Miami, FSU, and Clemson, and North Carolina, you know, Duke basketball, that side of it as well. So, look, there's some basketball powers in the Big 12 as well, you know, namely Kansas uh, there. So what would happen? The, land, the landscape is going to change. The landscape of college football is going to change. Um, and we'll have to just keep an eye on this in far, uh, as far as just wh where it's going, who is going where, and we'll, we'll try and keep up with it all. Uh, but it's going to be uh, a whole lot of fun trying to – chase down every nugget <laughs> that has to go along with this and, um, you know, kind of just keep up with it all. I, it's, um, I just think, uh, you know, Greg Sankey is not going to just kind of sit there and wait for somebody else to make the first move. Um, the SEC did not follow along with everybody in COVID last year, um, you know, was, found out ways to play football. Everybody else followed, um, and that is just the latest example of the SEC just kind of leading the way for college football. And this example here of Texas and Oklahoma and the interest from the SEC and the interest from those schools joining forces, uh, Greg Sankey is going to be out in front of this. Uh, so I think that's a lot of where this is coming from uh, as well. I know the thought out there was, that, look, this is only getting out to put a roadblock of this happening. Uh, and, of course, it happened the day Texas A&M was at SEC Media Days. So it's probably somebody in the Texas A&M side had wind of this, put it out there to the Houston Chronicle. That's who originally broke the story uh, and uh, maybe put it up there to see the feedback and maybe put a roadblock up of uh, you know this happening. Because Texas A&M is pretty much against this, of putting Texas in the same conference again. Texas A&M liked being by themselves in the SEC. The separation from the Big 12 helped Texas A&M. 
build their own identity, build their own brand in the state of Texas. Does that good now go away because Texas now comes in and you're in the same conference with that school again? So I hope there's a whole lot of angles to this, uh, you know, for Florida. You, if you're already big on recruiting and stuff, this makes, uh, you know, and if you're looking at where you stand in the SEC as far as recruiting goes, we well, had two more teams that have the potential of recruiting very well. It just makes it even more difficult. But like I said, you go into a 12-team playoff, you're going to get multiple teams to the playoff anyway. Uh, but, you know, if uh, that whole pod system works out and you're in there with um, Florida, uh, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina, well, it's mostly, most of the time going to be between Florida and Georgia, uh, like the SEC East is now. Uh, so you're not really changing much there. You'd have to see how they would determine an SEC champion in that pod system. But, you know, for Florida, I mean, you're going to get better games. You'll get some better teams coming to the swamp uh, and checking out those teams in person. you get some new locations for road trips. Uh, of course, if you're a fan, uh, for the football side of it, I still think there's a, there, there's a lot to figure out. The landscape is, is changing. And for Florida, um, the schedule does get more difficult, but it gets difficult for everybody too. It gets more difficult for Georgia. It gets more difficult for LSU. Um, more difficult for Alabama too, but they can handle that. <laughs> so I don't think they're too much worried about uh, that uh, either. So I think Nick Saban's kind of always been for non-conference games as well. Uh, but uh, in this current format of 14 teams, adding two more with the power of Oklahoma and Texas, like I said, Nick Saban probably ain't too much worried about it. By the time this happens, he might be retired anyway. Uh, but um, okay, 14 like Florida, it's, it's going to make a run more difficult now. Um and, but that's I think that holds true for everybody in the SEC. That's not a shot at Florida. That's uh, that's it's going to be more difficult for everyone in the SEC by adding two powers like Oklahoma and Texas. Now, if you were adding, um, like I said, a Virginia Tech or North Carolina or something like that, eh, you know, you're just adding two more teams uh, to the mix. But Greg Sankey's looking at this as eyeballs, money, and I think also adding just two powers uh, to, to college football. Um, when, when that happens and uh, going to be fun, going to be fun to follow college football is changing and uh, we'll, we'll uh, we're going to see this. I think um, we'll, we'll have to see, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm in an open mind. It's, I'm not going to say it's going to ruin college football, but it's certainly going to change it. It is certainly going to change it. I'll keep an open mind. I, I think, you know, outside of being in Gainesville on game day, that feeling's not going to change too much. Over time, it possibly could. Uh, but, you know, maybe outside of that, you, you'll start to see a whole lot of change. But I have a hard time believing those Saturdays in, in Gainesville are going to feel much different because of uh, what's happening in the world of college football. Uh, you know, it, it would take years, I think, to erode and erase um, that feeling we get when we watch our team on TV or we're in the swamp, you know, screaming with 90,000 fans. That part of it to me is always pretty much going to feel the same. Uh, I'm not going to stop rooting for Florida and watching college football because of this may not feel the same eventually as time goes by. Uh, but uh, we're Gator fans. We're, we're, we're going to watch the university of Florida and play, play football games, uh, no matter what the landscape of college football looks like. So um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, there's there really is just too much. I have no idea the outcome, the effect of what's going to happen to this. As I said, it basically is in my pro league in some form or fashion already. It's going to become even more of that, even more of that as time goes by. But um, it's changing. 
embrace the change because it's going to happen. <laughs> and we can, yeah, like, like, and that's always what I said about the playoff. I'll complain about it. It's it's happening. I know it's going to happen. That 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 expanding the playoffs going to happen. I'll get my thoughts on why I shouldn't, but it's going to happen. So I have to embrace it. Uh, give it a chance. Still going to enjoy college football, uh, but uh, may enjoy it in different ways. So, all right, there we go. A lot of fun, a lot of discussion there. Went a little bit longer than I thought it would here. But uh, going back to SEC Media Days, you know, it was a fun, fun time there. Um, expanding the coverage here a little bit for this episode, getting Dan Mullen's thoughts on some scheduling and where his team is, headed into fall camp where he thinks they are. He likes where they are. He likes the area they're in, heading into fall camp. So, all right, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdowns. I said, go join Gators Breakdown Plus if you want a chance to win those commemorative footballs. Uh, and you also just get some extra content, extra conversation there. Uh, on Gators Breakdown Plus. Guys and girls out there, I am David Waters, host of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>